Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Sean? Hello? Hello? We're all science people. Science! Exactly. Evolution does some pretty funky things. There's chemistry in here. There's biology in here. The old question in science is how do you know that? Achievement equals skill times effort. That's the recipe for success. I'm about to show you something so cool it'll blow your mind. We can make the world better for everybody. Starting now. Welcome, welcome to Science Rules. I'm your host, Bill Nye. This is the show where science rules. It's a call-in show. If you want to be on the show, and I hope you do, leave us a voicemail at 201-472-0785 or go to your homepage, askbillnye.com. You can also check me out on all the social media to find out about our upcoming guests. And today, once again, I'm joined by science writer, editor, and seriously, dear friend, Corey S. Powell. Greetings, Corey. Bill, greetings. So many things have changed in the in our lives during the COVID era. But for me, you know, here in my Brooklyn neighborhood, one of the most obvious changes, but something that I feel kind of good about is New York City has started instituting a, a ban on plastic bags. Plastic, no plastic bags. Plastic bags have disappeared from this neighborhood. Uh, what do so, you do? How how do you live? Uh, you know, I, I have my own bags. I reuse them. And, you know, in the middle of all this stuff that feels a little hopeless right now, it sort of feels like a small, hopeful thing that we're cutting down on garbage. We're making a little a little bit of environmental progress. But I, re- I recognize it's small. This is, you know, it's great that we're doing this. The disappearance of plastic bags is a very welcome thing. But the problem of plastics and plastic pollution is so huge. I feel like I'm making just a little dent in it. A tiny dent. It's funny you should bring this up, or funny to me, because our guest today is Dr. Winnie Lau. She's a senior manager of the Pew Charitable Trust Project on preventing plastics from getting in the ocean. She is also a co-author of a study that was featured on the cover of Science Magazine earlier this year, and the title is Evaluating Scenarios Towards Zero Plastic Pollution. I like the sound of that. Dr. Lau, welcome to Science Rules. May I call you Winnie? Yes, please. Hi, Bill. Really happy to be here. So you get published in science. That's, as they say, kind of a big deal. And your doctorate, your PhD is in oceanography. Yes, that's correct. How did you end up where you are now? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, I, I love the ocean. So anything I can do to keep it pristine, keep it uh, healthy is what I love. You grew up in Los Angeles, right? Were you a surfer kind of thing? No, I'm not. I'm a diver, though. 
But I, I learned to dive in Japan, actually, in Okinawa, where it's nice and warm. Um, I, I think I'm a little bit of a wimp when it comes to cold water. Yeah, everybody water. is. <laughs> I think for me, the thread for me is protecting the ocean. So first it was studying it so you can understand it. And if you don't understand it, it's hard to protect it. Then I kind of moved away from basic research because I thought I want to have an impact more immediately. So I've worked on various things and actually I never thought I would work on plastic pollution, but here well, I am. So you didn't think you would. What made it happen? What changed? Working at Pew, we're very lucky. We get to explore a lot of different issues. And we were trying to look at what some of the major threats to the ocean were. And plastic pollution was one of the ones that rose to the top. And with our uh, interest and resources, we thought, you know, let's, let's really put some effort into this and understand the problem. And, but more importantly, the solutions, because we got to figure it out. So speaking of the problem, intuitively, I get it. You don't want trash. And you see these uh, pictures mm -hmm. that are just commonplace anymore where there's just the plastic bottles and bags and stuff all along the beach, as far as you can see, stuff that's never going to break down in anybody's lifetime, hundreds of years anyway. And when it breaks down, what does it become and so on? That's intuitive to me. But on top of that is the subtle problem. I've seen a sample, a jar of this gooey liquid, almost syrupy stuff that was sampled from the middle of the Pacific Ocean in this gyre, right? This big, giant whirlpool. Mm -hmm. Right, the what Pacific is, Garbage Patch thing yeah, what that is, they're calling it. Yeah, what mm -hmm. is the nature of the problem? It's both of these things, I guess. Well, the first big issue is plastic doesn't break down um, into the, the molecules and the compounds that get cycled back in natural systems, you know, like carbon dioxide, water, oxygen. So the, the thing about plastic that makes it really um, attractive as a material is that it's durable. It has a lot of good barrier properties and it um, doesn't break down. <laughs> That's good so, if you're plastic. Right. That's good if you're Tupperware. If you're, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But if you end up in the environment – that that's not your function. So so then it sits there and there because it's a man-made compound, there there really right now are no natural processes that can break it down back into the components that life builds well, on. So when we talk about plastic, we're talking about stuff that made from oil, right? Generally. Yeah, I mean Oil is dead dinosaurs, right? Dead plants. So it's 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 an organic compound. But what they do is that they take that and then they they do various chemical processes to make it into different plastic polymers. So when we say plastic is actually not one thing, right? They're different types of polymers and they have slightly different right, so properties. Polymers, these are many molecules kind of locked together into these big long chains. Mm -hmm. So they're very hard to break yep. apart. Now, one thing I, I yep. now, you know, intuitively seeing garbage it looks bad. And we've seen you know, the photos of, you know, you know, animals with you know, bags in their stomach and things like that. But uh, mm -hmm. on the, on the large scale, what is the impact? What, what are the, what are the real problems of plastic pollution? We're still trying to fully understand what those impacts are. And you, you mentioned some of them, like organisms eating them and, and starving because they think they're full of plastic bags that they get no nutrition from. 
they found them in coral reefs where where coral reefs with plastic bags are more susceptible to diseases. I guess the plastic bags somehow breed diseases. And then also on land, like they, they get trapped in river mouths and can cause flooding in communities. I mean, they, they back up water like a, be- a giant beaver dam kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Giant plastic dam. The thing is, plastic bags are they're really thin and really strong. So I imagine... It doesn't take that much virgin plastic material to produce a heck of a lot of plastic bags, right? So they end up so cheap that they just uh, get distributed everywhere by accident. One of the reasons I'm glad that there's this plastic bag ban is just that you see plastic bags flying from all the trees. You know, they, they, they float, they get trapped there, and you can see exactly how long the plastic lasts because, you know, year after year, you see the same bags in the trees. I mean, these things are very, very durable, and it's it's... I mean, it's depressing, and it's like a very visible indicator of what else is going on. So blocking a river and causing trouble, I see that as a very, like, the measurable problem. Okay, too many plastic bags, blocking mm-hmm. rivers, so on and so on. And along that line, we have a voicemail uh, about this very issue. Uh, can, we, uh, oh, so can we roll that voicemail? Just how small can plastic get once it's hit against rocks so many times in the ocean? Yeah, I guess that's a, a, another way of saying how how big is micro? So micro is defined as anything smaller than five millimeters. It's sort of an amorphous definition still because you could be longer than five micrometers and but not um, any bit like a long be, hair. Yeah, <laughs> a long strip yeah. of plastic <laughs> is longer than five microns, but its thickness is five microns. But I think. I think we all have an intuition of what that stuff's like, right? It's small. But the thing is, there's actually another category called nanofibers. So they're like even smaller. Are there different environmental impacts or different health impacts associated with these different things? Like, you know, large scale plastic, Mm -hmm. microplastic, stuff that can like, you know, just like get into your cells. It's so small. Like, you know, are there different kinds of concerns that we have at these different scales? Yeah, there are. So, and so first off, we're still really trying to understand the problem. It's, it's relatively new recognition about all these different size ranges and what the impacts are. So the large stuff, you know, organisms are eating them. They are clogging up trains. They are blanketing habitats. Um, they're affecting uh, fish and other organisms. I mean, they also affect shipping, you know, they get caught in the propellers of ships and all that. So then the the micro stuff, um, they're getting eaten too. Uh, Larvae, small organisms, baby organisms are eating them. Um, They found that it either can cause them to die or they're very weakened and they don't get to become adults. So the other thing that people are trying to understand is plastic also is a surface, so things can get stuck on it. So you can have biological stuff stuck on it. So maybe bacteria that can cause diseases that can grow on it. You know, it's like like a habitat. But you can also have chemicals getting stuck on it. Um, so the chemicals, so it's acting as a concentrator. So if you have bad chemicals in the environment and it's getting stuck on the piece of plastic and it's concentrating it, if you eat it, if some animal eats it, that could become a problem. Not to be self-centered here, but what about humans? What is what is the impact of all this <laughs> on human health? 
Well, we're still trying to fully understand it. There are various plastics uh, made of BPA and those chemicals, they are seeing some impacts on human health. Then we see all these bottles that are saying, oh, this is um, safe. But we still don't fully know um, because it's one of these, if you're getting small doses over time, it's hard to say, oh, I am sick because of this chemical from plastic, because there's a lot of additives in plastic because right. they, they need to add a lot of different chemicals in there to give it the color, the, flex, the, the, the flexibility. So we don't fully know what those compounds are doing in our bodies. So scientists, smart people are trying to understand that. So are some plastics better than others? You know, everybody talks about <laughs> low density polyethylene. Well, depends on what you mean by better. There are these different types of plastic formulations because they have different properties. So sometimes we need them to be rigid and tough. Sometimes we need them to be flexible uh, or clear or, you know, so that's why we have these different types of plastics. And so um, they're good for what they're made for, but in terms of what their impacts to people, we don't know. We don't know what the, how they're, how different impacts each plastic would have. Here's Another question. The, the stuff is all over the world, and it's in the ocean, all over the world's ocean. But how does it get there? And so we have an email from uh, uh, Alicia O'Hare, who says she's a county water planner in Minnesota. Does the plastic I use, she asks, still make it to the ocean? What path, how would it get there, she asks. In other words, she lives mm-hmm. at probably near the source of the Mississippi River in the middle mm-hmm. of an enormous continent, North America, and somehow plastic, she's concerned, I guess, that plastic from there gets to the ocean. How does it do that? For people like us in the U.S., we tend to have waste management services. You know, the garbage trucks come and collect our trash. And mostly they get properly, securely disposed of in landfills or maybe some places have incinerators. So that, that keeps them from getting into the environment. But sometimes things escape. Plastic bags blow the truck, off the truck. Yeah. My goodness. If I had yeah, a they can ha- yeah, that can happen. Um, and sometimes people, you know, drop stuff on the ground and the, the rain comes. Do you mean they throw things out the window no, recklessly? No, 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 Maybe, you know. They, they, yeah, and it goes, into the, it goes into the sewers. I certainly see lots of plastic trash going into the sewers here in New York City. Exactly. So let's not assume people have bad intentions, but, you know, things happen. You, it falls off, fall, falls out of your pocket, whatever, your bag ends up in the sewer, Depending on your sewage system, it, they may not get treated and it might go straight to the river or the bay. So that's how one way. Another way is if you have something that like when we wash clothes, it makes little fibers, right? Microfibers that goes into the water and then that goes to the sewage treatment plants. The sewage treatment plants are not designed to filter out tiny little particles like that. Some of them do get trapped, but some of them don't. So they wash out with the water into the bay. Then there is another uh, thing that happens in, you know, wealthy countries like the U.S. where we send our waste overseas, you know, before a lot of plastic and other waste products were collected and sent over to China, actually. So, but a few years ago, China passed the, um, their, what they call a green wall, where they stop accepting We've had enough. recycled 
yeah, they were like, no, no, thank you. We're done. Um, so we then we stopped having a place to send the plastic. So now some of that is going to other countries. And oftentimes when it goes to these other countries, they don't have the capacity to fully deal with the trash we send them. Um, they, they do pick some of them through, pick through some of them and then recycle them, but they, they can't even handle all of their own waste. But we're like, here, take some more. And so what happens is in some of those instances, it can end up in the environment. So here's the question. There's number one, there's two, there's four, there's seven, mm-hmm. there's six. Are these things recyclable or not? And I know the styrofoam industry, and I like mm-hmm. styrofoam as much as the next guy. I mean, where those were the <laughs> days, people, when you could get a soft drink with chipped ice in a thick styrofoam cup, or you'd get hot coffee in a thick styrofoam <laughs> cup, and it would stay cold in that cup or it would stay warm. And what's the mystery, Dad? How does it know? The warm from the cold. Cold stays cold. Hot stays hot. <laughs> so, how does it know? How does it know? So uh, that was great material, uh, largely phased out, not entirely, largely phased out. But the styrofoam industry makes all kinds of claims about how recyclable this stuff is. Nevertheless, you don't have to go anywhere around here to find little pieces of styrofoam in the, mm-hmm. in the gutter, on your driveway, in the cracks of the sidewalk, in the plants, in the, caught in the leaves of the thorn bushes. And so is any type of recycle, any type of plastic recyclable at all? Yes. And this is the, the nuance part. Yeah, in theory, most plastics could be recycled. And recycled into what? Would styrofoam go back mm. into styrofoam or styrofoam go back in? You could. You could make it happen. But here's the kicker, though. Imagine you have your styrofoam cup and you have other trash and you go put it in the trash. Who's going to pull all your styrofoam out so that it could get recycled? That's really expensive to do that, like to collect the material, sort it, and then clean it. Right? You got to like wash it because you, you You presume you have... grind it up into styrofoamical yep. particles. Right. And, like and like here in New York, we have, we have you know, single stream recycling where we're throwing metal mm-hmm. glass and plastic together i have no mm-hmm. idea how much if any of that plastic is actually getting recycled uh it depends yeah in in seattle it, when you got sentenced to community service somebody stands there with big rubber gloves on face mask all this stuff and mm-hmm. sorts the trash on a conveyor belt and there's a supervisor stands behind this person these people to make sure they're paying attention but even that is imperfect. My goodness, you know, and then right. magnets work on steel, but not on aluminum and uh, what floats to the top and what sinks to the bottom in a washing system and so on and so on. So you were going to comment. This is these are the problems. Well, it's expensive when you add in the cost of like sorting it and then then putting it in the machines that can chop them up, melt them down back into the pellets that can make the stuff. It's too expensive compared to getting the new raw material. Stick around for more science rules after this. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Science Rules is back. Okay, so it gets dumped. It makes its way to the ocean. And then what ocean currents carry it to the garbage patch? That's just because it, just because of sort of large scale ocean currents. Is that why that happens? Yeah, that's part of it. There's actually a lot of it below the surface that we don't even see. They found plastic bags, intact plastic bags, in the Mariana Trench. Wow! Like that's miles below the surface. It's seven miles straight down. Yeah. Okay, so th- so I have to ask because there have been a lot of science stories, there's been a lot of popular coverage of this thing called the Ocean Cleanup Project. Uh, mm-hmm. where they're, they're basically dragging nets across the water to try to scoop up some of this plastic. And I, there's been a lot of controversy about this and people who feel really good about it. Uh, so I've seen some scientists criticizing it. What's your impression? Is this, is this a good effort? Is it big? I mean, and is it enough? Based on, you know, our understanding of the problem, it's probably a little too late in terms of, you know, collecting it from the environment after it gets there, because there's already so much in there and we continue to add more. So it's more effective and efficient from from uh, both sustainability and cost perspective to just stop it from getting in there in the first place. Because if you're collecting it from the middle of the ocean, you got to send a big boat out there and then you got to collect it, then bring it back. And, and the boat's and burning diesel keep- fuel and pumping stuff. Yeah. And you got to keep doing it. And so and then also it's collecting the stuff at the surface. But I said earlier, there's stuff at, uh, below the surface and the small stuff. The, the Ocean Cleanup Project um, cannot collect the small stuff presently. If we did stop dumping more plastic in the ocean mm-hmm. of every dimension, every uh, big Clorox mm-hmm. bottles versus Teflon coating versus uh, the mm-hmm. fibers from uh, my vest, fleece vest. Mm-hmm. If we could stop doing that, what would happen? Would the stuff eventually sink to the seafloor and the ocean would be clean again or would it just be there till the end of time? Well, some of it will sink, not all of it. I mean, I guess maybe we'll hope someday some organism figures out how to eat the stuff, but I I wouldn't bet my money on it, Um, not in my lifetime anyway. The way I look at it is there's a lot of stuff in there right now already, a lot of plastic that I can't really eat easily get out or economically cheaply get out. And the best way is just to stop it from getting in there in the first place. You're at least in part in the solution business. You have this big paper that came out in science and you spell out some ideas about what we can do. So mm-hmm. why don't you talk us through that? I think you gave, there, there were four big points in your paper. Maybe you can kind of just kind of walk us through 
what can we do? How, how are we going to do better? Yeah. So what we found is um, that if we act now and if we, you know, put our best effort behind it, we have the knowledge, the technology and the solution to cut plastic pollution going into the ocean by 80% from what we project in 20 years from now. So 80% reduction over the next 20 years. Can you throw out a number, how many tons or millions of tons? Yeah. So right now we're dumping about 11 million metric tons into the ocean. Wow. If we, if we, if we don't change our ways, we're looking at like 29 million not, metric not tons. Not 29 tons, people. 29 million tons. <laughs> and if, if you get if you're in the US, the difference between a metric ton and an imperial ton is about 10%. Yeah, let's call that it's let's call high. let's call that 60 billion pounds it's just for, huge. Uh, for, the, for us Americans. It's just a huge amount of stuff, but your claim or belief or study indicates that we could reduce it 80% over the next two decades. So, we can go from 11 today to about 5 in so instead of going instead of going up to twenty nine, we could take it down to five, which is a pretty exactly. damn big difference. Yeah, and how yes. would we do that? So there are four main classes of solutions we really look at. The first thing and the biggest um, contribution is reducing away the plastic that are unnecessary. You're not talking about frisbees. She said not necessary. Yeah, she's not going. She's not going after the the essentials. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Plus, I'm willing to bet that I'm willing to bet that not a whole lot of the current uh, what at 25 billion pounds, not a whole lot of that is frisbees. Is flying discs because we keep them; <laughs> they're reusable. All right, yes. so hang on. Exactly. So hang on. Is there then? I'm just curious. A borderline thing, you know. There's a brand name mm-hmm. Tupperware, and those things are thick and robust, and they last for years. Mm-hmm. And now you can go to the grocery store and buy very thin food storage containers that I believe wear out after a while and you got to throw them away. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, to me, a borderline product where you would reduce, but not eliminate plastic. And so is it necessary or not? Okay. Then what's a, what's a necessary plastic insulation for airplane wiring or something like that? Yeah, probably I would count that as necessary you know medical supplies those are necessary Mm -hmm. yeah but i would say do we need to wrap um all of our t-shirts in multiple layers of plastic when you buy them okay so this and and we're still on the first point this is reducing consumption getting getting rid of unnecessary plastic consumption so when we say reduce there's the getting rid of it altogether period then there's the switching to reusable containers, right? So instead of getting a water bottle from a supermarket, that the clear ones that you drink once out of and then throw it away, we can switch to reusable water bottles. So our reduce is, has three sub-components, eliminate, reuse, and then we call them new delivery models. Basically where instead of buying the packaging and the product, you're buying the product with a packaging that could be reused multiple times. What's an example of that? Well, um, we can go back to, you know, like the milkman, right? Well, they, listen, they, if, we, if we can get rid of those blister packs, those are maddening. 
and mm-hmm. were the things and you need a, a chainsaw to get open you mean exactly yeah. <laughs> uh you order a you know usb drive and it, and it comes in in like this you know this high-tech security plastic thing that you that takes a half hour to open mm-hmm. so the f- first thing we should do is reduce as much as possible the plastic don't, don't make it use. in the first place yeah second is substitute to more sustainable materials that actually can degrade in the environment. They don't live there forever. Yeah, what is corn plastic? I have a coffee mug made of corn plastic. Mm, that, that's a tricky one. There's a type of plastic called bioplastic. And it's tricky in that it really depends on what the composition is, the chemical composition. So a lot of times, bioplastic just means the original material comes from a biological material. But when they do all the chemical conversions, the processes to it, it's basically like petroleum-based plastic. You mean it doesn't break down? It's uh, just as bad? Exactly. Yeah, you're following. Are we looking for better plastics or are we looking for complete substitutes to get plastics out of the system entirely? So, you know, we didn't look at getting rid of plastic. The bottom line is using plastic appropriately. And then once you're done with the plastic, making sure that you keep the value of the plastic so it doesn't end up polluting the environment, right? Like, we don't want plastic. We don't want any waste in the environment, really. Plastic or something else. Um, But plastic does have value. We can reuse it. And so the point is to make sure it doesn't get lost. So how do you do that? How do you safeguard the value of that plastic? You do that through taxes or through regulation or through, I mean, what, what's the, what are the tools? You can have targets for recycled content in your bottles or your products, right? Like we've all seen it made with 70% recycled material, right? So, uh-huh. you know, if we, if we do do that, let the market drive what's happening, right? So if there is demand for the recycled plastic, then you will drive recycling. So you think the free market, just consumers will make this? Good decision? No, no, not just that. But that, that is one key. Um, but, you know, who sets the target for how much is recycled content? Maybe it's the companies. Maybe it's government. Maybe they work together. Maybe it's the man who, in this case, happens to be a woman. Maybe it's you. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> but we'll say, you know, we need that. Somebody has to commit to using the stuff, right? Because if you, nobody uses the recycled plastic, then it hasn't is trash, basically. So we need people to reuse that. But then why would people reuse it? Recycled plastic costs more than the new plastic from petroleum, from oil and gas. So we got to make the costs and the economics of the plastic that we will recycle cheaper. And how do you do that? You know, the bottles, can we standardize them? Can we make them all the same? Or make them all so, clear. And then exactly. the Sprite would have a, a, a green wrapping on it. So something that makes it easier and cheaper and uh, more efficient for us to manage the plastic waste and recycle them. That will also help. Um, so we there's something, we, we this general category of design for recycling. Um, so some, some plastic products have like, five different layers of polymers mixed with metal, mixed with paper. And that stuff is, just forget it, it's so hard to recycle. I mean, who's going to sit there and peel the layers yeah, off? Yeah. And 
separate them, right? We're not going to do that. So designing a product at the beginning so that you know it can come back into the system more easily, cheaply, that's that's important. Cradle to cradle, so-called. Yeah. Is there anybody mm-hmm. who's doing this well right now? Yeah. I mean, are there are there kind of examples you can look at like, hey, why can't we all be more like... Um, no, I, none that I could really name, but there, there are other tools. So governments have these tools called extended producer responsibility. Extended Basically, producer responsibility. It's saying, companies, you made this stuff, it's your job to take care of it when, when it's done. Well, that's the vision so. of the carbon tax, that if you're mm-hmm. making this stuff, you have to pay a tax when, let's not call it a tax, a fee. When you make this stuff, that cost would be passed on to the consumer, and then the consumer would make choices based on the choices that the manufacturer made. Yeah, so some of the extended producer responsibility uh, policies are done that way. Like companies have to pay a fee to government so that they have enough money to handle the trash. Some, some, co- some companies say, okay, I'll take it back. So at the end of the day is making sure that whatever we use and then throw away, there is enough resources to either properly throw them away, like in landfills, or even better, that it could come back into the system as recycled plastic. So along that line, the plastic bag, you know, a tax on plastic bag, or in this case, a ban on plastic bags, does it make any different? Is that any difference? Is that a way forward? Well, there are many ways forward. So, you know, Corey was saying with, with Brooklyn, when the ban um, happened, you were seeing fewer bags. And that's what, what um, we had a study with Duke University to look at like government policies around plastic pollution. And what they found was in places where scientists did look at evidence, uh, it when there was a bag ban or a fee, I know so many caveats. When there was a bag ban or a fee, they did see reduction in the number of plastic bags that were used and produced. So right, it does I mean, just, work. just just intuitively, it makes sense, and certainly, you know, anecdotally, what I see around here, I just don't see as many bags lying around. I mean, you know, the the more there is around, the more it's just going to get casually lost or thrown away. You know, scientists who've studied this, they're like surprised that even a five cent bag fee can have an impact. It's uh, but, psychological. You know, I'm not going to pay that yeah. fee. I'm bringing my canvas bag. They're trying. That's the man trying to take my money. <laughs> uh, so we have an email from Serena. And this, I think, is a classic question about how much good each of our individual action can do. Hi, I'm a high school junior. Is recycling really worth it? And how do I explain this to a person challenging me (laughs) with statements like it costs too much and the environmental benefits are canceled out by the energy put into recycling? I would say yes, personally, less pollution in the environment. Now, when you're talking about the environment, are you talking about the ocean? That's what you're I'm talking about land, rivers, lakes, oceans, all of it. I mean, our our paper actually look at looked at pollution in both land and uh but you got into it from the ocean the oceans were yeah well the ocean is where they tend to end up because you know rivers go from land to sea is it worth it so yes i would say yes um obviously everything the devil's in the details how do you do it like there are parts of the world where it's it is more life and death right if you live in a 
uh, an area where the bags are clogging up the rivers and your town floods, that could be life and death. If you have plastic containers lying around and uh, malaria-carrying mosquitoes are breeding, that could be life and death. So there's the aesthetics, which is not pleasant, but there are actually, you know, even more important implications. Well, more direct, not not, uh, long-term, not going through the whole ecosystem to get you just right down the street. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And even for for people who live in countries where we have services to keep as many bags out of the trees as possible, you go on vacation. Do you want to see plastic trash on the beach? Here's what I think we're getting at. You know, I'm a mechanical engineer. I look for the technical solution to any sort of problem. So I guess fundamentally, uh, could you take a boat in the ocean and clean up the stuff. It sounds like probably not because you'd be getting all the phytozooplankton at the same time. Yep. And where are you going to get the money to do that from? Yeah. And then compostable plastics or corn plastic is uh, a mixed blessing, it sounds like. So, so, so there's bio-based plastic, corn-based plastic which could be different from compostable plastics. So compostable compostable plastic? Compostable plastics basically means if you put it in certain conditions, it'll break down back into, you know... uh, What conditions? Fuming nitric acid? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so so some, a lot of us imagine it like in our compost bins in the backyard, right? But actually the stuff that, most of the stuff on the market today that says compostable plastic... They actually need to go to a, an industrial composting facility where, where it gets real hot. Exactly. And the right amount of water. Exactly. Okay, so, so, you're, so you're talking about two different things. One is mm-hmm. um, plant-based materials that can create the plastics, and the other is types of plastics that then can be broken down in some reasonably efficient way. Yeah. Science rules will be right back. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Science Rules. Is there an organism or a set of organisms that we could either find or, dare I say it, create, engineer, to, to break down plastic? Is that, a, is that some idea in the technological near future? Well, there are people looking for those. There are people that are trying to find the microbes that can eat plastic. Sometimes they find some that could eat a certain type of plastic under certain conditions. That's in the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we need this no. to happen in the ocean where it's well, cold. That, that, right, but you don't want it to be so good that it eats all the plastic. No, and you don't want it to destroy or other the, ecos- things. Yeah, the ecosystem that's yeah. out there. Right. 
So mm, that does not exist yet. All right. Hey, young listeners, there's your opportunity, (laughs) you geneticists of the future. Get that But done. be careful. Okay. Do not put Frankenstein's in the ocean. <laughs> All right. So, so, so here, I, uh, here, I just want to ask a, a big picture question from the things you've been talking about. How much of this is a problem of individual responsibility? I need to be more diligent about recycling. How much of this is like a, a corporate and a social responsibility that we, you know, at the level of legislation or at the level of, you know, corporate responsibility – Uh, We got to figure this out from the top down. How do you see it? We see it as this is an everybody's problem. Every person, every organization, every company, every government, and everybody has a role to play. If we all do what we can, then we can solve this problem. But it isn't one where someone can just sit on the sidelines and hope that someone else will solve your problem for you. Yeah. And so this question of individual responsibility is, of course, for me, it's about everybody who votes, everybody who pay taxes, and everybody who influences the parents that do that. But here's a voicemail from Eva. Can we roll that digital recording? Hi, my name's Eva, and I have a question for Winnie Lau. Um, As a high school environmental club, how can we help reduce plastic waste in oceans? Thanks, Eva, for your efforts. So what you can do first is obviously educate everyone. Um, I know sometimes people say, oh, education, but education is actually really, really important. So, and you have a club, you're students, you have a voice, talk to people. So what do you want to talk to people about? Talk to people about when you have a choice, don't choose plastic. Second, make your voice known to the policymakers, to the corporations that you want other choices because you know you bill you asked me is it is it an individual action like do we have responsibility yes we have responsibility but if i don't have the choice of no plastic what what do i do so part of it is there has to be this give and take right between the consumers and the businesses that provide the stuff we need and there has to be a dialogue about what we want and what they can what choices they give us. And right now, the consumers don't have as many choices as as they as we would like to be able to make the right choices. And so give us the choices to choose to maybe be less um, wasteful, to have less throwaway stuff in our lives. Well, there you go. Corey. Corey. Oh, wait, Bill, I I hear something. It's not the crashing of ocean waves. It sounds like thunder. Thunder, Corey. Thunder means lightning. Lightning. Lightning means lightning round. The lightning round, Winnie. So do you have a favorite type of recycling? No, don't recycle. I don't need to recycle. That's my favorite. Reduce. Reduce. What's the most important thing not to do? Choose non-plastic options. There you go. Choose non-throwaway options. Is there a worse type of plastic, something you hate? Something you wish just weren't available? The small condiment packets, those are impossible to collect and recycle. The ketchup, mustard, relish, and the tiny packets, and I tear it open, and and the mustard gets all over my hands, and then I can't enjoy my hot dog anyway. Back when I used to go to ball games when it was outdoors and you could go to them. (laughs) Is there a most benign plastic? Is there a plastic you're like, eh, you know, that's last on my list. That one's not so bad. The the 
water bottles that we can reuse thousands of times. Thousands, Corey. Thousands. And you're sitting over there, thousands. It's only a few years if you use it every day. It's not that long. For a few years. Okay, yeah. Well, is there something you'd replace plastic with? Maybe we, we should go back to natural materials I, I, uh, for clothing. All right. Now, I like to ask this question of everybody. If you were queen of the forest. Can I be queen of the ocean? Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. The kelp forest. <laughs> uh, what would you what would you want to do? You have a scepter, you can wield you a trident. You have a trident. You can wield it and uh, make big changes. I want people to think deeply and carefully about what they are consuming and buying. You know, is this something I need? Is this something that will be damaging to the environment? And if the answer is yes, this is something I need, great. But if it's something that's going to be damaging to the environment, do I really need it? Is there a better alternative? And then, but I don't want to stop at the consumers because I would also ask companies like, are you adding to the betterment of human, human society? Or, or is this something that is going to leave a really, really long, bad legacy. Right. That, that trident gives you access to every corporate boardroom in the world. <laughs> so now you can walk in and, and say whatever is on your mind. Is that what you would say? I would say we might need to rethink how we make decisions uh, in boardrooms as individuals and think about our relationship with our planet. Are you uh, optimistic about the future? I have to be. Otherwise, I couldn't do the work I do. Um, yes, I, I am at once very optimistic about the ingenuity and passion and caring of people that if we really decide to do something good, we can make it happen. At the same time, I do recognize the daunting challenge we have ahead of us. But I just think about young people when the Generation Z, where are we now? Generation Double A. Uh, yeah, I think I think Double A is coming around. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> when they're running the show, they're not going to put up with this. I'm counting yeah, people on people my it. age. Your kids, uh, uh, people my age, uh, grew up throwing plastic bottles away, and we just didn't think about it. But now, uh, young people, because of your work, Winnie, are going to have a higher awareness, and that's good. It so is. thank you for your good work, and thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for joining us. To give us an earful about global plastic. And the possibility of doing better. Of doing, of making the world better. Doggone it. Our guest today has been Dr. Winnie Lau. She's a senior manager at the Pew Charitable Trusts Project on Preventing Ocean Plastics. And remember, Corey, Winnie, when it comes to cleaning up our garbage to save the world, Science, science Rules! If you like Science Rules, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. Helps us out, helps other people learn about the show, helps us find out what you want to hear. So thank you. Be sure to look at my socials for more information on our upcoming guests. I'm at Bill Nye on everything. Meanwhile, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, give us a call at 201-472-0785 or submit a question at askbillnye.com. 
Science Rules is produced by Harry Huggins and this very same Corey S. Powell. Yo. Casey Hallford mixed this episode and composed our original theme. Josephine Martiran is our executive producer. And at Stitcher, Science, Science Rules. Rules. Be safe out there, people. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Socially distance. Stitcher. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.